0: Hello and welcome to Scott Rock, our brand new podcast by Climb Scotland, bringing you climbing stories and mountain tales from Scottish underdogs and local heroes. Your hosts are the legendary, well, me, Callum McBain, and... Me, Robert McKenzie. Callum, what is the plan, bud? Well, we both love interview podcasts, and for our jobs we get to travel around and speak to loads of different climbers... So we thought we would combine both of these things and share the stories we hear through this podcast. That's right. We're not just interviewing the hardcore among you, but literally anyone that we think has a cool story to tell. And we know that there's a lot of you out there. So keep an eye out every fortnight for the latest Climber chat. And if you have anyone you'd like to hear from, or if you want to be in the show yourself, let us know and spread the Scott Rock word. And remember guys, when you get back out there climbing, back to the crags, back to the walls, be safe and do your buddy checks. Enjoy the podcast. Hey everyone, Calum here, back with episode 5 of the Scott Rock podcast. If you've made it this far, and me and Robert haven't bored you to death yet, well, that bodes quite well for us, because maybe that means the powers that be at Climb Scotland HQ might let us continue our interviewing spree so we can bring more stories to you. So today we've got Sophie Moody on the show. Now I met Sophie maybe three or four years ago and at that time she was one of those super strong TCA youth squad kids. You know how it is. You've been projecting that black sloper problem for nearly three weeks now and some kid from the youth squad just comes up and casually flashes it as part of their warm up. You try to act cool but really I went home and cried into a pillow while stripping off my elaborate training programme. But seriously, Sophie is super nice. She's been involved in the comp scene for ages and then later giving something back by being a coach. And now she's turned to the dark side, trad climbing. Oddly, in this interview, I found out that me and a friend had actually taken Sophie up her first trad route a couple of years ago. Thankfully, she didn't learn too much from us and has actually taken a pretty sensible approach to pushing her trad grade definitely avoiding that classic sketchy university trad climber stereotype. There's some good chat throughout this interview, a bit about Sophie's background as a gymnast before talking about her shift into trad climbing, with the icing on the proverbial interview cake being a little look into her own thoughts about the fear of failure. Just a wee note, this was before we were trusted with expensive microphones, so the quality isn't excellent, but do be with us. Grab a brew, sit down and enjoy. Tell me a little bit about Was there like a moment when you first tried climbing that was like a spark and you were like, I really like this. This is kind of what I want to keep on doing.
1: So sparking when I really got into climbing would have happened a little bit later on after the first few experiences. So I'm lucky enough that my dad's climbed pretty much regularly since he was at university. And it was something that we'd go and do occasionally um, as a family, so tend to GCC the five of us and coming together, but at that point, I was doing lots of other sports. Kind of gymnastics was the main one for me. It wasn't till years later um, when I actually stopped gymnastics and taken out a time out from sports. And me and my dad just happened to pop into TCA Glasgow for a session not long after the centre was built. Cool. I think it was coming back into it after that that I left session. head said to dad, "Be like." That's really cool. I'd really like to get into climbing more, and yeah, never looked back since. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> not, not left TCA since.
0: Yeah, so it was almost maybe like, t- did you where did you climb before your dad before TCA of opened up? GCC. So, did so you- okay. yeah, I went down
1: and yeah. got the ropes. But a brother's just two years younger than me, so we'd been at ages of like eight and ten. So yeah. it was really good. It gave us an opportunity to then learn to belay each other. And, yeah. Um, Yeah, it was always quite good fun heading along. But it was the first time I'd really bouldered, would have been just after TCA was built.
0: So, yeah, it was like bouldering that kind of was like somehow sparked the interest more than maybe rope climbing at the time.
1: I think so, but it was also just the point I was at in my life. So, I'd kind of stopped doing a lot of other sports, so there wasn't any other huge interest. Climbing had always been, so I'd always loved going along for sessions and doing it every now and again, but there had never really been time to add in something else but i was at that point where i wasn't spending five times a week in the gym training for competition and i was kind of missing that and came along at the right time and climbing was there just to kind of fill the space so was it
0: when you say you were going to the gym training five times a week was that gymnastics gymnastics before, yeah wasn't it how long did you like what's your kind of story of gymnastics how did that happen before so you go
1: into gymnastics i Fairly young age, like five, six, um, quite early on joined their competition squad. So I was, when I was gymnastics, it was sports acro gymnastics rather than more well-known disciplines of like artistic. So it wasn't on apparatus like bars being vault. Okay. Instead, it was purely focused on the floor, but you worked in partnerships with either twos or threes. Cool. And it was group balances. So me being around, <laughs> right on it was me very sure. Oh, nice. I was always on the top, so a lot of it was spent getting like chucked up in the air and um, different kind of group balances, a lot of tumbling. That's awesome.
0: So you kinda like preceded the whole Sean you like sports Yeah, yeah, time. yeah. I quite liked
1: it when I uh, Shauna Coxie and Leah Crane got yeah. into their um, sports aqua side because that was a good, good throwback yeah. to the, the many many days I used to spend doing similar activities.
0: That's, that's awesome. <laughs> um so yeah you did how many years did you sort of go through gymnastics for?
1: I trained competitively from the mm-hmm. age of six till about twelve that's a long time. Yeah, yeah I really enjoyed it, um, but I just got to the stage that I was getting too many injuries, had a lot of knee pain and problems. And it was just hard to work around. Yeah. Um, the competition side of it, so <coughs> came to the decisions, take some time out, and use that time to actually get into coaching a little bit aside. Cool. Um, then, which was good. So I still stayed involved with the sport, and I've still been really involved in the sport until two years ago. Um, I still know a lot of people in it. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to keep the connections, but climbing's definitely taken over now. <laughs> yeah. Is there
0: is there a crossover for you between like gymnastics and either in the reason you enjoy them or the reason you're quite good at both gymnastics and climbing? Is there some kind of like common theme?
1: I think I'd definitely say gymnastics gave me a really good start for climbing. So although I hadn't climbed maybe as long as as other climbers, um, like in the youth squad, when I started TC through gymnastics, I had a really good like strength base, flexibility, kind of body awareness for movements. So I'd say it was like I had a really good kind of base all round to yeah. have had. The sports definitely kind of transitioned quite well.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I remember like when I was doing groups at GCC. I think there was a like a birthday party of because the gymnastics club that came in and there was a set of rings like hanging in the in the storeroom in GCC where everyone puts their harnesses on I'd like, be amazed at these like nine year olds just like smashing muscle up after muscle up and I was like oh, my god they're so strong <laughs> it's unbelievable and when they climbed like loads of them compared to like your average person coming in like they stepped on like 6A and 6B and made it like, really really easy so there obviously is like some kind of like proprioception or like base strength that comes through from doing gymnastics yeah I always think
1: gymnastics definitely if you're going to do any sport before climbing um, it's definitely one that just seems to give you a really good leg up and even from coaching birthday parties of any groups I hear when kids are in the first time you can usually pick out the gymnasts and the kids that have done a lot of sports have been really active before it's quite interesting
0: and the kids that played too much call duty for too long yeah (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Um, so yeah, you got into climbing after sort of giving up gymnastics. How? What did your sort of climbing look after you kind of just started getting into it a bit more seriously when the TCA opened? So how did you sort of go through that journey?
1: So at that age, I was really keen that I wasn't just going to be to go back to being something that I did occasionally. Like when I kind of started getting into climbing at GCC, I wanted decided kind for of myself that I wanted to get into climbing I wanted to train a lot so be a climber I, I yeah I joined the boulder club that was on at TC on a Sunday oh. which is now the equivalent to like the NIBAS um, award scheme that they run and was part of that for a few months maybe like February time through to the start of the summer holidays and during that time kind of got to know a lot of the coaches in here really well and they'd been in opportunities to try out like, for their youth squad hmm. uh, which kind of met and trained twice a week and then did a bit more into the like, competition side of climbing which I had up to that point no knowledge of so yeah and so all these kind of opportunities came to join the youth squad and yeah that was it, and I ended up spending a lot of time in here um, and it's been great
0: That's awesome. so like in the youth squad was there a What made the youth squad so what made you sort of what made you sort of keep coming back and really enjoy it? What what was the kind of best aspect of the youth squad for you?
1: I mean the obvious things like the training was set up and we all got to climb together and the climbing side was really good, but more importantly I think there was a great group of people to climb with. So some of my closest friends to this day were still some of the girls that I trained with in the youth squad, so there's a group of four of us that are really kind of close in age. Um, and that was, yeah, we kind of, it was great to have everyone in the U squad there, but yeah, met some really good people who were like really psyched on the same things. And it was the sort of groups that you think we'd come in at the weekends and we'd have our climbing sessions together and climbing with people, I think it's always nicer than just climbing alone. It's more yeah. fun. It didn't really feel like training. Having come from gymnastics, it was very much coach-led, serious side, like this is a workout, You're doing this get on with it like high execution and everything you were just coming along and having fun for two hours yeah Um, yeah it was always like you left at the end of a session and it didn't really matter as much how the climbing's gone but you'd always had a really good time but we were getting stronger and learning how to climb really well at the same time
0: Cool. that's yeah really interesting actually like i think a lot of people i speak to whether like you climb indoors or outdoors, like, it's almost the same thing. It's like people are more interested in like the other people, and the climbing is just a way of sort of like everyone getting together and doing stuff. I think and that's it,
1: unique about climbing. Well, it's one of the most social sports out of everything I've tried?
0: Like all training together, it's quite cool.
1: It's nice because you get the crossover of everyone chats to each other, and it's one of it's such a friendly and helpful environment. You can come in for your first time, and there'll be other people there who. Like without even being task you always you kind of know anyone's there to like give you a hand or people yeah. who point out beta and yeah, I come in here and like quite often can be in the centre for an hour or so before I get my shoes on because you get distracted just saying hi to lots of different people and sometimes it's people you've known for years or sometimes it's someone that you maybe chatted to on one problem a few ta- a few weeks yeah. ago and you have kind of not seen again since so yeah, you definitely get to know a lot of faces and it's yeah yeah really sociable side to it.
0: I think that's my problem coming to DC. every time I come in I spend like an hour and a half chatting to people. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: a, it's a slight downside when you want to train, but it's a great atmosphere and it's really nice to come in and just be able to have a good time chatting to people and it's always nice and
0: relaxing. <laughs> cool. Um. So yeah, after your sort of days in the youth squad, you kind of went to uni and kind of made... Went sort of into outdoor climbing. Is that kind of spurred by the same thing, by like the social element, or is it something different? Or maybe you can kind of like talk about that?
1: So even when a new squad, I was in the youth squad, I'd done as kind of bouldered outdoors a little bit, but I hadn't really <coughs> ventured into any other forms of climbing. I occasionally got on a rope to go sport climbing, but again, be remembered TCA was easier just to come in bouldering. Uh, so yeah, uni gave me an opportunity to kind of really get into climbing in a different way and it was for the end of my first year at uni and the Glasgow Union emergency Union Club run an annual trip up to Reef uh, for 10 days. Oh, that's like an awesome place to have a trip. That's yeah. Gorgeous, yeah. Um, one of the One of the best ones done and I kind of had a really busy first year of uni and been along to a few meets and kind of knew, knew, knew a few of the really kind of sight climbers in the club but hadn't really been properly away Um, yeah and kind of went up to reef, knowing that like right, kind of got into a new side of climbing. They're all going out trad climbing. I hadn't really—it's not a side of climbing I ever really thought about before. Um, but yeah, after ten days in reef, like, that was it. Like really, and ten days, days as well. That's
0: like awesome. Had you uh, did you have any background in like trad or anything before that, or was that kind of like your first experience was going to reef? And...
1: Um, one of my it'd been one of my first experiences, kind of personally, but. The kind of first I'd known about trad climbing was also Hazel Finley,
0: oh, cool. so yeah. she
1: was one of the climbers that I'd kind of known of since kind of started out climbing. at TCA, but at that age, I kind of looked at the things she was doing. You're know, thinking, "That's mad! It's insane!" Like taking like it was something I just I didn't understand the trad climbing side of things. I almost at that age didn't understand why you'd want to trad climb when you'd climb bolted rock that was then safer. Cool. cool. Yeah. Um. I had a completely different perception of it. Uh, I think the first time I ever got on a trad route was we down in Northumberland. Oh, that's that a trad 21st, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, and you and Tom took me up some really easy climb that was two pitches of Kylo out up after you guys.
0: I can't remember... It's something like, It was something corner, like Klond- Klondike corner. Add the big like ledge. In yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I um, essentially just tied into the rope and followed you guys up. Um, and that was my first ever trad route. <laughs> I had no, I had no idea that was
0: your first trad route for some reason. That's,
1: <laughs> that's amazing. Though. Um, um, I kind of hadn't been off anything else at all until I got to reef and you know just kind of got there. I was really lucky that there was a few quite. Ex- Oh, more experienced trad climbers in the group along cool. with the trip and um, that's was quite friendly with and they were really willing to kind of spend the time and show me the ropes. So um, I spent a lot of time going around with a set of all nuts and just placing them into little cracks like ground level and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then following me around going that one's okay, that one's good, that one's never going to hold you um, and just learning the basics. Yeah. So yeah, by the end of 10 days I'd been up a good number of routes had a fantastic time, it was a great trip a great group of people as well, so it was always just a quite chilled out time at the yeah. it's um, a social vibe
0: thing. Like
1: yeah, it. and again, like very much coming back to it, it was the social side of it that was also really good as well as the climbing, um, yeah, essentially after that first 10 days, I knew that that was something I wanted to get into more, uh, and being at uni now, it kind of suited me a little bit better. I, the kind of timetable was a lot more packed and there wasn't as much time to be really training hard and making big gains in bouldering, but track climbing was this new sign of the sport that I could make loads of progress.
0: Cool. Um, so after the reef trip, have you still been climbing outside or is there other, other places you've went? Or...
1: Uh, yeah, I've been a good few trips that, since then. So Sigma's Rating Room Club trips, they do a trip to the Alps every summer. Cool. So summer... That was just a few months after Reef we went to the Ecrins, oh, uh, French amazing. Alps, and it was great. Mainly um, multi-pitch sport climbing. Yeah. Also did a few multi-pitch trad routes out there, so that was really interesting. That was first experience getting on multi-pitch routes. Yeah. Um, which was a big learning curve at the start of the trip, but by the end of those two weeks, like we'd racked up a great number of climbs, and that's a whole different ball game. Um, and it was less about the individual climbing moves, which is an important side for bouldering, obviously that's what you get fixated on. It was more about like the full experience. Yeah. Um, same again, yeah, I went to Reef the next year and then Alps trip again, the second time around we went out to Val in the Italian Alps. Uh, oh, that's like a,
0: it's like granite crap climbing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's also like big walls.
1: really famous area for um, bouldering. They run the oh, cool. Mello Blanco outdoor bouldering Club. I think
0: it rings a bell yeah. It's. I don't
1: think they've run it the last few years <coughs> but uh, I think Chris Sharma used to be quite heavily involved. he used to nice. take quite, quite, quite a bit
0: did you climb a, so I, I went to the Ekrins. it wasn't a uni club trip it was I think just like a group of friends did you climb a, the, the, fissure? the Fisher the yeah, Fisher yeah that was the one time we did um, um, but I remember having a total I didn't, didn't quite have an epic on it but um, we came down really late and for some reason my people were trying to phone me and they looked at my uh, duffel bag that was in the, the, the tent and for some stupid reason it's got like a little tag that says oh your name and your address in case like your luggage gets lost at the airport so I wrote my name and I wrote my address and for some reason I totally blanked and wrote my mum's phone number and <laughs> so my friend Robbie at the time had a uh, phone the number expecting to get me and then I was like oh Callum, where are you we've been expecting you for ages and he just phoned my mum and I was like, "Oh, that's not what she wants to hear." Yeah, it's like the last thing that your mum wants to your mum wants to hear when it's like you're away in a foreign place. And um, but we managed to get back down afterwards. Uh, very like traditional style of climbing, like the kind of big, huge chimneys. and stuff Yeah,
1: like, yeah, it was a like, it was a good chimney section in the middle of that. Um, but also, it was quite nice. There was bolted belays for yeah um, most of them. Although we were climbing on two. 50 metre ropes, which were good for getting the belays. Um, Howard borrowed one of them from um, friend Adam and he'd taken um, one of Wales' other ropes and we, we decided by the end of the route that his rope definitely wasn't 50, it was a metre 45. Oh, I knew We <laughs> were like a, a tiniest bit, like a few metres short on two of the belays that we had, All of our Chad's gear with us anyway, so we just ended up building a um, belay instead of... Below, below the boat belay? Below the boat Oh no. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So that way, that way, it's slightly more interesting. But yeah, it was some good climbing. That was the. Uh, I think that was actually my first climb. That trip was uh, getting up in the Fisher. That's bold. And yeah. we got up. We started so. up at like half seven in the morning because two of the guys had tried to do it the previous day <clears> and had got caught behind two French teams because it is a really popular route yeah. there. So meanwhile, got up, committed second morning, and um, the Alps and got on it first. Uh, nice and early weren't interrupted by any other climbers um, but yeah there's something quite incredible about being just alone in the piece of rock If you're out in a big trad multi-pitch there's only so long you can see your climber for yeah and you're just kind of alone feeling out kind of feeling the rope trying stuff what's going on surrounded by some of the most amazing scenery
0: yeah um, do you find that i suppose coming from like a bouldering background like the exposure and I guess it's such a good point being left alone in the belay for a long time because maybe for me sometimes if, if they are on like a hard pitch and you're kind of waiting for ages I get a bit anxious thinking like are they, what's going on, are they getting on all right or but did you find like that aspect of it like a pretty like smooth transition or?
1: Um, I'd say so actually, so up to this point we tried climbing I've never really found, I've not found a climb that I've like really bothered by the exposure in any way um, I feel like I'm kind of still waiting to get on that route one day and go, oh my goodness, oh my what am I on? Um, but no, actually, uh, considering that like the height of boulders and what you usually go to and then all of a sudden jumping on 10-pitch long trad route yeah. is very different. But again, like, it's one of the unique things about the sport. There's so many different ways to enjoy it. Like, you don't yeah. need to be the strongest, most psyched boulderer you can go up and kinda of climb at a really easy level and go to some amazing places, but you can experience all of that at the same time and even sometimes within the same trip. Yeah. Um I think it caters to a lot of different people.
0: Yeah. Whenever you get injured as well, there's always like another avenue you can move into like if you injure your finger it's like go winter climbing or if you mess yourself up winter climbing it's like, oh, well, i'll just do bouldering for you that
1: winter one. climbs i've called it at that at the moment that's the one of climbing i haven't oh, I tried oh that's interesting yeah um the guy is a running joke actually with the guys in the mountaineering club that they've kind of from first you've been like we're gonna get you yeah, out winter climbing but uh, i've held on so far and i have not made it out <laughs> <laughs> with them um we'll see at, at that at this moment in time it's not a side that appeals to me yet Cool. But then when I started bouldering, trad climbing wasn't something I considered. So it's we don't go in the future.
0: I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. there's so something that's like sticking in my head that you mentioned, because you talked about uh, like Hazel Findlay, yeah, and she was like your idea of trad before you kind of got into it, and you kind of said that maybe at that time you didn't understand the appeal of like maybe trad over like bolted routes. So has that kind of changed now? Is it or what what kind of like sparked what what is the appeal for you of Climbing on trad over bouldering or maybe sport routes or something like a bit safer. This maybe plays into the winter climbing question as well. Probably.
1: Yeah. Oh. That's a big one. So. Yeah, it is. I think from watching videos of Hazel in the early age and taking massive whips on like some insanely hard climbs, you're trying to watching gear rip out and thinking, "Oh my goodness, that is utterly terrifying." And at that point, I'd maybe just started lead climbing and like taking falls on leads. Like knowing that the clips and everything were safe yeah. it was scary and to think that was this on sport route right, or indoors yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so just indoors um, and thinking yeah that's scary and you're still trusting so much with that to think right you're placing your own protection and even the idea of placing gear didn't have any real idea about at that stage yeah. but I was just thinking that wow like you're gonna take falls on that and like the consequences of like things coming out and how much, how in control are you? And I think that's a side that I didn't really understand until I learned kind of how to place gear and more so how to analyse your gear placements and what you're looking for to know that, yeah, this is safe, it's bomber, I'm good. Um, See, I think a lot of it was like the knowledge and the, the technical side of it that once I gained the skill, you... It was all of a sudden, like, yeah, no, like, I know when it's safe and I know when I'm in control. But then obviously, there's the ethics side of it as well. Um, And yeah, in the UK, we definitely have very strong trad climbing ethics. And once you start trad climbing, I think you begin to understand them. And it's almost like, yeah, of course, you're not going to put a bolt in that. Like, look at that amazing crack line. It's going to be so good for placing this gear. And you can spot gear placements from a good distance off. And I don't think it was really until. Yeah, at that point I appreciated the real appeal of kind actually of trans climbing.
0: So I suppose like that, it was just a uh, maybe thinking it was more risky than it actually was. It was kind yeah. of maybe a bit of a barrier.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big side of climbing as well, is that it can be as risky as you make it. But at the end of the day, you are in control. You need to be aware of the risks, but you're also aware of when you're safe and what are your limitations and when do you push it um, yes it's kind of just finding out no actually on this ground here I'm really comfortable and I'm learning to lead in place here on a climb that I am like really confident and really sure that I'm not falling off of but I'm also yeah. focused and interesting point as I'll well, kind of say with the same thing but chat, but Hazel Finley again as she does a lot of kind of work into like the flow state okay, and yeah, kind of yeah. flow state climbing and um, I would say one of the first times like I ever really noticed myself getting into flow state was the first reef trip and it would have been one of the last few days and it was an E1 corner climb um, that I bailied one of my friends up and I can hide up and it was looking really possible but also I'd been track climbing for five days or so and I didn't have, didn't really know where my limits were yet and I still tested it yeah. out and I was really conscious, I was testing it out gradually and I wasn't just going to jump on stuff, um, but no like racked up, it was a really short route so suits me as a boulderer, Wrapped um, up with only the gear that I needed <laughs> so I wasn't faffing about, cool. um, had the exact nut that I needed ready um, with a quick draw on it and everything. And then I went up that and just from the moment that kind of chopped my hands and stepped onto the rock, I remember just being so focused and it was a really flat corner climb, so it wasn't really any footholds. Okay. um, Kind of flat surface at both sides. It was even just like the tiniest little adjustments. Um, and I remember kind of getting most of the way up and kind of placing two bits of gear and it's good. And kinda of came up to the last move and there was absolutely nothing for your feet and the top's still quite a bit away and I knew I was gonna to have to kinda of do quite a big move to reach up to a good lip. Cool. But your feet are like there was no edges, it was like super flat and it was like the tiniest little movements. I don't think I've ever been like so aware of my body movement down to like the tiniest micro adjustments of making sure yeah. like the tiny micro adjustment, and you just go, that feels good. Um but yeah, I think that's the most focused I've ever felt on an individual route. Just like the entire time that like you weren't putting effort into stay focus, you weren't, like you just kind of moved through it, but with a level of awareness that I don't think I'd really noticed on anything else. Yeah. Um, and got to top of that and was really psyched for having climbed it, but also that like how good it had felt and how yeah. kind of zoned in that I was just to like being in that moment on that climb in um, like every hold so have you had
0: that like I suppose that kind of same experience since then and anything else or that other routes or anything or is that just like the standout I
1: feel like that stands out the most because it was definitely one of the first times that kind of really got into a good flow state um, is that including
0: like I suppose like bouldering inside and doing routes? Have yeah. you like not maybe experienced it as much?
1: I feel like the difference of bouldering inside is because very often you're in kind of loud climbing gym and there's lots of people out you're chatting to your friends and very often you'll be halfway up a wall and someone's chatting away behind your back and you're yeah. having a conversation or a laugh with them. Up on the wall. I don't know if I'd, like, focus in the same way. you're. I'm not as aware, but being on, like, a sea cliff, up in kind of a really kind of quite remote area, like, very few people about. And it just, just... I think it was something about the environment as well. It was just, like, really kind of quiet and calm You're, yeah yeah um i don't know quite different to indoors i think there have been climbs that you do think oh i was really focused on that when i came down it felt great but that's i think it's maybe because it was the kind of first time it was then also experience being track climbing that's also one that's definitely stood out more than, than anything else um but yeah i find people feel like really hard boulder said you will often just like everyone's got their own way of just like kind of focusing zoning in when you know that you really need to be aware in every movement yeah but often it's for such a short space of time bouldering whereas doing a trad route you're always on it for a little bit longer um, and quite often you'll at least get to one point where you have kind of a slight lapse of concentration you maybe turn around and have a look at something yeah. else or kind of take in the view a little bit uh, and maybe aren't like fully focused the whole time
0: that's interesting i think i've had much the say but i've definitely had that sort of experience in trad but Never inside, I don't think. And maybe not so often the sport climbing. Which kinda of makes me wonder if it's like can you only get into that state if there's like a like a bit of a risk involved? Maybe it's like the risk that like when you were losing your tragedy if you mess something up, like you could hurt yourself. Is that kind of what like makes your mind go into like the laser focus sort of? I definitely think so. I think
1: Yeah, you need to have that slight element of being able to zone it in and stay aware on transits like that so like boulder friend you'll very often just kind of be sitting, chatting, joking about for a lot of time and you'll focus in just for that like short moment if you're going for a like really good attempt. Yeah, I'd say it's different trad climbing. Um but it's quite nice that slight feeling of risk but also knowing that you're in control yeah. and being comfortable that you're at a level where, at the, like, if everything goes well and you kind of you're well focused on it they, that you can do it and you're capable but in order for you to be successful you do need a certain level of focus I think again that is a slight appeal of track climbing the focus needed is different than the yeah. focus like boulder where it's just about pulling really hard it's often not about the climbing moves it's about like, and I find this hard when I was getting into trad climbing because I'm so used to bouldering, and bouldering's all about spotting the handholds and footholds, spotting how you're gripping them, what direction your body's moving and kind of analysing the movement side of things. And from flipping from that to then just looking for the gear placements, kind of th- forgetting about the holds and the climbing, that does its own thing and it kind of ends up, it's, it just comes when you're moving, but focusing on the gear and the how many, if you're kind of trad climbing on two ropes, I'm a protection of both ropes. Yeah. Where was my last gear placement? Can I spot the next one? Are you keeping yourself and your Believer safe at all times when you set up a Biley? Is it set up best that you can your partner can come up to the Biley and then also move off of it? Are you changing over? Do you want it kind of set up with slings or ropes? There's a completely different mindset towards it. Um Yeah, it's quite different. But.
0: I think it's, it's funny. <laughs> I always think that's the reason that you get loads of doctors and engineers that really like trans climbing because it's like there's it's so really technical much side. technical stuff going on, and their minds must just be like totally buzzing getting through all this stuff. Um, I suppose another interesting question is: Can you do you see yourself like? Because that was your first E one, wasn't it? You yeah. You're were, were talking about. Can you see yourself like maybe upping the risk slightly more and slightly more until? I mean, maybe getting to like that sort of like Hazel Finley, like <laughs> huge whips so and that's maybe like a bit of far. Yeah, impact, yeah. I think I think
1: that's a <laughs> that's shooting for the stars a little bit there. But I think coming in from a Bouldering point of view, and knowing that physically I was strong enough to do the roots, I was very aware that I didn't want to push the difficulty level higher than my technical capability because that was starting from <laughs> ground zero. Um, but as I yeah, gain a bit more tried experience, it's definitely something that I still want to continue to build up. But I don't want to just... Like, I'm not at the stage where I feel I want to just jump on harder stuff. I still want to suss out and become comfortable at levels. So I'm now like, really comfortable leading any of kind of HVSE1 routes that I've been on. kind of quite happy just jumping on on-site and I've had a good look at them beforehand, I think it suits. And I've on-site a good number of E2s as well. Not been on anything harder on leads yet, and I think if I was beginning to push leads, it would have to be a climb that I maybe knew a little bit about, or I kind of had a rough idea of is this going to suit my style, how good's gear on it. (laughs) Someone's climbed it for quite often. Try and get any tips about any good gear places for them. Um, So crazy on sites aren't quite there yet, but yeah. bit more experience and i would i would like to continue to push my grade but i would like to continue doing it kind of gradually and yeah. not ending up really out with my out of my comfort zone and maybe a situation that i can turn around and walk oh i'm not sure what to be here <laughs> yeah so,
0: so yeah, it's yeah it's an interesting one i always think like for an indoor climber especially like someone you like you that's come from bouldering like almost like hbs and e1 can be like they can feel like really hard grades because quite often they're put up in a style that's not very indoorsy, like they tend yeah. to be like vertical or like just off vertical and really technical, yeah. and it's actually when you get into like E3, E4, the climbing becomes more like, I suppose what you call it, like modern, where it's like really steep and the holes are actually quite big, but like sort of old boys weren't very good at climbing like steep routes. So it's almost uh, weird. You almost like flip round, Then if you find the right routes that are harder, they're almost easier than these like sandbaggy. Yeah. I do
1: think it is all about finding the right routes. Uh,
0: there's, there was this thing. I actually I was gonna message you last night. But I totally forgot because I had stole it off another podcast where you like get someone to bring in like one object, like that means something to them in relation to like climbing or whatever. It was actually like, another, it was a book related podcast. I heard this on, and they get people to bring it in. I was gonna ask you through that, but then I forgot. But if you were gonna bring something in, what would it be? Just anything like related to climbing that had like the most impact on you.
1: That's a hard one. Um, so I still got. Um, so from one of the you once in that first trip to Reef, there was an in situ um, red micronut oh. that we managed to get out. <laughs> that was kind of again one of my first lead, so I've I've still got that somewhere in my room. It's very mangled and will never be used for climbing on.
0: Not yep. recycled back no. into the rack? No, definitely not.
1: <laughs> um, But first bit of gear that I ever collected. I did have my own trad rack at the time, and for me it was always kind of a nice little memento of the trip and kind yeah. of the first climbs I've been on. Um,
0: That's like a super fitting place to find the nut and the E one that
1: yeah <laughs> yeah it, it looked like it had been in situ for quite a while as well so um we were all quite excited when it came out um but yeah it's a uh, it's a bit worse for wear but it's a, it's quite a nice momentum to have because that was pretty much from like first experiences track climbing that's the first time i'd really got into another side of the sport that wasn't just bold wasn't about bouldering, it wasn't about the kind of Try hard in the same way. I think trad climbing is not so much about the physical game; it's a little bit more about upping your mental game, which I find really interesting because bouldering wise, it's something that I had struggled with in the past. So I was always kind of a bit worried about where my mental game with trad climbing was going to go. Um, but it's been really like interesting, quite exciting to so, like push my trad mental game and see, yeah, like how focused you can get in things and. There are times you're maybe not on the best hold you're quite a bit above gear and being able to like focus in and yeah, be kind of comfortable in those moments. You're learning to be like get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. That's such a great you're saying. I love that.
0: that. like Yeah.
1: You've got to enjoy, yeah, just that little bit of discomfort or uneasy yeah. It's where all the learning happens.
0: Cool. <laughs> so you seem quite sensible. Like sounds like you you've kind of done like quite a good like trad apprenticeship um and like kind of built up the technical skills before going on to the crazy hard stuff which i think (laughs) there's probably a fair few like (laughs) students that aren't very good at doing that yeah yeah probably are really good sport climbers and boulders and go straight into like the deep end
1: i think it's as well like it's the kind of rep that uni trad climbers get and i was very keen to move away from that um and yeah not go down that route (laughs) Uh,
0: but it does it it begs a question so have you been on a trad route so far where you felt like maybe you'd kind of like overcooked him or in like a bit over your depth or?
1: I've never been on one where I have really majorly got to a point where it's been like I don't want to be in this rock anymore. Throw me a rope! It's all, <laughs> it's all yeah I just want off of here, I want, I want solid ground under my feet. Um, but there had been maybe a few situations where for a few seconds in a route you maybe have that little bit of a oh I'm not too sure about this. Um. And being out in the Alps just this summer, I went up, so we did two quite long um, famous trad multi-pitches, we did Luna Nascente and Kundalini, both get about British grade E1, E2 and Luna Nascente was the first one we did, quite a few pitches of that were fairly run out, so that was slightly different and the run out pitches to be fair were easier grade wise but you were still then super tuned into movements and by then so it was a 12 pitch long climb we're climbing it in two groups of us together by the end of like the hours you'd spent on that rock by the last pitch I was like really happy to see the tree landing yeah. off the rock more so because my feet were really sore but you'd also been so intently focused in on every movement for so long that like mentally it can be quite tiring um, so that's an different side of it, like individual short climb, so it was up in Torridon September October time, and kind of knee to there called The Pillar, oh, we chatted about that. yeah, Die bag, incredible route, like stunning piece of rock, looks completely blank from the ground but great holds on it, Yeah. Um, but being a boulder, endurance isn't great, don't usually climb anything that's that long in a single pitch, but for... single pitch trad route probably the longest route that I've climbed it's like 40 meters it's like a big yeah (laughs) it's a big route um and you don't quite appreciate it from the ground I think um but I got about halfway up that and a lot of the time you're looking up and you can see nothing above because it looks blank and you just kind of reach up and you start finding all these little jugs and once you find one you've got one crimp and then another and there's a good foot there um but I got about halfway up that and kind of placed a really nice um and it was a purple cam and was chatting down to Ian who was me and I placed it and kind of looked down and I was quite comfortable and that's him just saying, oh, I placed the exact same gear in the same place and that's a good sign of, right, okay, I've done some, right, it's all good. <laughs> Moved slightly above that point and just thought, oh, right, okay, we're a bit blank again and kind of looked down and there was like loads of rock kind already climbed, and then looked up and there was still so much to go in that climb and that was the first point that was like, oh, right, <laughs> like, really need to stay focused now. It's almost just, yeah, anything slightly longer, it's not letting the concentration go. Um, But for like climbing moves on that, it was an incredible route where, yeah, about three quarters of the way up, it was like almost getting to the point of, all right, okay, this has been really good, but it's also like quite hard to like find and place gear in some bits here. Yeah. And I'm getting to the point like, I'm quite happy to like top this out anytime soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of like, it's almost like the ultimate kind of trans climber dilemma where. Like you go to a sea cliff or something and you're psyched and you ab down to the route but then suddenly your sight just get to the top. Yeah. It's this like vicious... Oh, climbers almost have like really bad short-term memory but they don't understand that they were scared and then they want to go back and do it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It takes you do usually about like that like kind of three quarters of the way up and you've done so much climbing you kind of yeah a lot of the gear places and that you're hanging about for quite a bit and the hardest part of the route was getting the gear in and you always felt like to kind of really tug it and test it yeah you didn't want to pull too hard because you still wanted to stay in the rock yeah. <laughs> um so at that point i was like i would have kept climbing the route as i climbed for ages like it was great <laughs> such a nice route but It's the technical gear placing side of it, I just kept that point, kind of had enough and like all the thoughts and like testing it all out and being like, oh, checking down to have a look at both ropes and they're both protected, was my gear below really good or is this one better or how run out am I at this point? Um, Yeah, I maybe maybe ran that one out a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) not by much, it was very, very evenly spaced gear, Yeah. but uh, each piece was probably about three metres apart. (laughs)
0: Uh, I think I, I had a similar thing when I did the pillar. Because I remember doing exactly the same as you, climbing to halfway and uh, looking up and thinking, oh, I've still got quite a long way to go. But I think I'd taken eight quick draws and used about six to halfway and was like, oh, I've really got to make these two quick draws. I, I was very aware of that at the point in time. Yeah. Again, it's a short term memory thing. So I swear I've done that in so many routes. Got halfway up and used all my quick draws. I've been like, oh no, yeah. why did I take two more?
1: Um, because it's kind of like you put yourself in that situation and then at the time you're like that's it no like done that route it's never getting done again but yeah I think if I just got back up and diving I got go up again it was yeah. a great climb <laughs> yeah. yeah it gets like slightly scary at some points but you always look back on it really fondly
0: yeah it's interesting I was watching you talk about the cam like you I can tell like in your mind's eye you can still imagine like the placement and the size of the cam and it's cool like those particular things like are strong enough to like stick in your memory. Um, it reminds me of, um there was a Steph, do you know Steph Davis? No. Who's like a, she's like an American climber, got really famous for doing free solo stuff and also I think she's a really good base jumper as well, does a little bit of like base jumping in the desert and she talked about repeating a climb that she really likes in the desert and it totally blew my mind But she said like climbing or trad climbing seems really rare because you, you rock up. And you do something once and then you never do it again. And if you fall off, that's it, that's it done. You can't unsight that ever again. And it's rare and trad to go back and repeat the same route. Yeah. And then she relates it to like a pianist who's learning like a really complex piece. And she was like, Well, you'd never get a pianist that plays the like tries to play it without ever practicing it, and then is like, Cool, that's me done with that piece of music. Like they go back obviously and play it millions of times Mm -hmm. until it's like a masterpiece. And she was basically saying that you can trans climb like that as well. You can go back and repeat like a route and keep learning something new every time and have like a different experience. Yeah. yeah. That's
1: quite interesting because yeah most people climb a really hard trad route once and that's it done. Yeah. Like, I've mastered it I'm moving on something new. Yeah, you don't end up really refining it really as much as
0: But it's all that's almost the appeal of trans climbing. Like for me it's always been like you get one the onsite, you get one chance. Like if you mess it up, you can never ever on site that route ever again like it's this kind of like really ephemeral thing where it's like one one chance and that's it um, especially in harder routes if you've saved it for a long time and you're like i don't want to mess this up like i've got to on-site this route yeah um, that's
1: something i started to learn used to like try to climb at the start i was very much if anyone climbed it before asking all the beta and about all the gear placements and the idea that on-site wasn't really there yet So i was just learning whereas now i'm a bit more aware that when someone's on a hard route and maybe I don't want to second up it after them because oh. I want to say it for an on itself. So with the pillar, that's what I did actually. Yeah. Um, so my friend Ian led it first that day and Jack belied him um, and actually sat on a rock just looking out at the sea <laughs> while Ian was on it because like very much determined that I was not willing the on-site on this climb. Ah, oh, that's um, interesting. I think that's the first time I've kind of climbed a rocked up to and like, I'm going for the on-site. I don't want the beta, I don't want the knowledge. And having been a boulderer, that's usually the side of things that like you're you're always interested in the yeah. beta and how people do the moves. And trad is different; like it's all about the on-site. Um yeah. So yeah, that's the first thing I probably like jumped on as an on-site. Nice. Um, and been like really like fully focused on for the on-site on it.
0: Why was it the pillar in particular that flipped the kind of on-site switch for you?
1: And it was just the point I was in trad climbing, so by that point I'd. Gained a lot more experience. I had been up a good number of other E2s over previous trips and kind of the months leading up to that. I climbed a few climbs already, that uh, trip when we were heading out to Dybeg to do the pillar. Um, and just kind of being a bit more aware of track climbing and my own ability at that point. I was like ready to go for the onset not yeah. I didn't want someone else's <laughs> feet. I was like, yeah, I didn't want to yeah cheat myself of. Getting the onsite. It's just kind of, yeah, yeah, just like the point in time I was at and skill level and knowledge. I was just like ready yeah. to start. Coincided with a really good route as well. It did, yeah. yeah. I think it was the fact that I knew it was such a good route um, that I really wanted to appreciate it for what it was. Yeah.
0: It's funny there's like specific, like the pillar is definitely what a route like that. There's definitely specific routes that have that, like, or flick that switch in people where it, has to be like an on-site or it's a really like special route yeah um, I got
1: actually to I think it was maybe just before I jumped on the climb so Ian came down um, and turned around to me and went yeah it's not a climb it's a journey <laughs> and it didn't make any sense to totally I looked was like yeah yeah no, no. So
0: that's <laughs> so cheesy <laughs> so cheesy I um, I
1: got to the top of that climb and went yeah <laughs> Because by three quarters of the way up, you've done so much climbing yeah. that you're like, yeah, no, I'm ready for this climb. The climb's done, but there's more. Um, and it was more than just a really good climb. Um, yeah, and it was a phrase that stuck with me because it was just really easy. I just looked at it at the time and was like, yeah, that, that sounds so cringy. But I got to the top and was like, I know exactly what he meant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. It's a journey. I'm going to have to out- recycle it's that. Not a use pipe, that it's not climb, it's a journey. Um, so I mean, is there any other, it sounds like the pillar was like quite a big, like big experience for you. I can totally relate to that. <laughs> have you, have you picked out other stuff similar to the pillar where you're like, I want to go do that route and I want to onsite it? And is there anything else like in your site that is the same mindset exists with?
1: There's nothing I've eyed up yet, um, but I've kind of, I know it's going to be a few months ago where it gets better and i really start getting out again so I think. I am keen on any other clips to kinda of look up stuff beforehand a little bit and see what I'm psyched for. Um love to get down and just do some of the Thumberland Trads. But again, more so there's boulders that I'd really like to do. Um so it's kinda of getting the balance of what am I strong for at the moment, what we'd like to do. There's nothing majorly in the tick list at the moment, trad wise, but it's more just mm. wait and see, and look into stuff when I've got trips planned and whereabouts whereabouts are gonna head cool. off to. So yeah, we'll wait and see.
0: That's super interesting. That's some like, good trad insights. Um, I suppose uh, before we started recording, we were talking about how you'd almost kind of went back again, because you got a bit into doing comps again recently.
1: Yeah, funny enough, over the last month, I've done two comps. I've got another one coming up um, two weeks' time. It's been a few years since I really did any comps Did some of the youth climbing series. So I started climbing when I was youth A age group so I competed first year at youth A and then didn't manage to compete the next I was a bit injured but I've done kind of several years of the Scottish Shoot Boulder Championships, did the JBBCs but it was up at TCA two years but yeah I kind of hadn't really been focused on it in any way in a while. TCA obviously run their winter series but very often I ended up working in gymnastics coaching. On the days that it was running, so it wasn't really
0: yeah.
1: um, something I'd done in recent years. But yeah, I went along, did um, last round of TSA's winter series comp, and kind surprised surprised myself by just having a really good time. Um, yeah, not getting kind of so caught up in the attempts that you drop, but more just focusing, kind of enjoying the climb and having fun. And I was along just last Saturday, Eden Rock for the Scottish Students Climbing Comp. Um, they were running along with the winter series at Eden Rock as well and again yeah I went along and had quite a really fun kind of qualification round to it and because I've, got to I've had the finals which I've <laughs> not, not done in a while I think the last finals I must have done probably been a Scottish youth boulder series youth boulder comp here wow. um, so yeah that was cool coming out and climbing in finals and stuff again having four minutes to get really focused as I said, of climbing I kind of moved away from a while and I've not yeah. had a climbing focus, a competition focus, and not been super psyched on them. But yeah, I've had two really fun comps <laughs> over yeah, the last nice. month that are heading down to Sheffield in two weeks, two weekends time for the British Unis Climbing Championships. Cool. Um, which should be quite fun as well. Nice. Hopefully, get gets some bouldering done at Sandage.
0: So that's, that's the main focus. Yeah, I say the comp of fun, but uh,
1: getting outdoors at Sandage is definitely the main focus of the trip.
0: Yeah. I'm sure everyone that goes to the Bucks is kind of semi like that. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you get a free trip, don't you? you pay for yeah, you like get a free trip down. Um, An accommodation? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah got two
1: two boulders in mind as well. Warning. Um, Green Traverse,
0: 7A. I think that's the one where it's like a footless traverse. Yeah. yeah. Right to left. Yeah, I can picture it in my yeah.
1: head. Um, almost, almost got it last year when I was down, but we climbed in a later session, so we just had a power out at Sandage in the dark with some... Um, Big flashlights and stuff oh, which sure. is incredibly, like, like incredibly good atmosphere but uh yeah i'd really like to go down for that and also jumped on captain hook last year which is simply kind of again slow ball slow p traverse um quite a fun route so it's just kind of things that i'm like quite keen to jump back on and yeah. see where they go
0: that's cool just that there's one thing i was going to backtrack to that i thought was quite interesting because you said you would got into comps when you were in youth A, wasn't it yeah yeah that's like seem like it's quite unusual i think i don't think many girls that age tend to go back into comms yeah. like from my experience you see a lot of kids that come up from like U D and U C, and then some will stay around until that age but quite a lot drop out and it's even rarer seeing someone come in at that point yeah so just i don't know have you got any thoughts on that it's quite yeah, interesting i don't little. think i would
1: really appreciated that at the time um but from seeing it now from a coaching side of like point of view that is like very often the time you kind of see the kids drop out of the climbing side of things and start just maybe socially climbing with friends instead for me that was kind of the age I then started getting into climbing that was the year I started training in the youth squad and having come from quite a competitive background with gymnastics and being then along with all the other climbers in the squad who were, had done views but were also going to do it again it was just like yeah, jump in, do it, All the, everyone else is. Um, but yeah, I, I hadn't appreciated how unusual it's not really the way that it usually goes with everyone yeah. else. Um, but not something I've noticed as a coach. Um, but I was just lucky that the clients I was usually close with in the squad had maybe all had more of a comp focus previously. And it was just, yeah, cool, all my friends are going along. Go along to see what it's all about. Cool. cool. So it's like kind of, I
0: get it always like comes back to the sh- social element, I guess, isn't it? It That's really what does, it drew climbing, you back yeah. Because that yeah. kind of drew you into comps, then drew you into the like, kind of trad, then back back into comps again. So it's cool. That's like the theme that runs throughout everything. It's
1: definitely a theme yeah. that I think just generally runs throughout climbing. Even if you look at like videos of the World Cups and they're at finals. What other sports do you get where athletes are actively helping each other out mid comp?
0: Oh, I suppose like like and like observation yeah. finals and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine many other sports where you get that same. It's quite unique, isn't it? I think it's. Never it is. thought about that before. Um, but yeah, that's cool. That was like a little kind of like like autobiography type thing, and it was cool like picking up from like a few different points, like the the flow stuff and the psychology stuff are incredibly interesting uh,
1: yeah yeah I think I was like really interested in that as well like Hazel Finley always puts out actually quite a lot of good posts about that um, on her Instagram like she was recently away somewhere on a trip sent kind of flow centre and yeah. do a lot of work into that um, she's quite big into yeah. like her
0: psychology type coaching stuff yeah um,
1: um, and then, like it's another side of clown that you can completely get into uh, that there can be such so as like, like the psychology, like the mental side of it, and yeah. I think there's just so much climbing that you can, yeah, delve into. Could talk for days. <laughs>
0: there's the whole like the whole fear of failure box as well. Really I think that's a massive one. Yeah, um, yeah. and being
1: younger in comps, I think that's a big thing for me. Is that I almost like didn't want to fall off because all of a sudden climbing comps that's failing and for me well, you get was, one go, don't you yeah. and that's it it's it almost like a chance it's different from gymnastics it? comps So gymnastics comps you've trained and you've done that one routine in training for months it's and like a red point for a climber it. isn't it yeah. you've perfected it up to that moment and all you need to do is go and perform whereas climbing it's not the same in any way because every comp's new you've never climbed the route before you've yes. sometimes never been on the holes before it's completely different movements and it's a learning experience. Um, I think being older now and being able to kind of appreciate that side of it, I think I've got on better with comps now, um, just going into them a different attitude than I did kind of put more pressure on myself as a kid because falling was failure, which I no longer see that as being the case. It's a learning process and you gain a lot more from the attempts that you fall off and learning how to change your body movements, and how to analyse things. Um, yeah, I can see the benefit of that side, but that took experience lots of different types of climbing and yeah. I think trad climbing particularly maybe helped with that mindset a little bit. But
0: yeah. <laughs> it's such a difficult one, isn't it? I think it's so easy to talk about like a oh, failure is like a good thing. It's everyone always going it's really popular, like popular psychology at the moment, like that sort of ethic. But to actually be able to do it in, in practice is really hard. Like to fall off something and to not at least a little bit feel upset. Yeah. Or like, like not done as well as you'd hope and to, to turn into something positive. I think for me that's always been a bit of a struggle is being good at doing that. Even though like in my head like I'll, I'll speak to kids and like be like yeah, failure's really good. But like actually being into practice is like yeah. super, super difficult.
1: 100% as hard to put into practice. As in- I don't know how long I spent, yeah, coaching the mentality to kids of fall off and failure and it's great, but didn't really apply that to myself. Yeah. Um, and it's taken a long time to actually appreciate. Okay, right, you no, know, I see the benefit of this learning process and of things of having to struggle to get to the end result. Yeah. Um, and I, like completely unrelated climbing, what I don't think it really like climbing's helped show me that. But I think for me, like the light wall moment for that was when I applied to uni first time round and I applied to dentistry, went through all the interviews and then didn't get an offer and at that moment it was like that was everything that led up to, kind of the plan, like everything would go to plan it goes well, like that's what I wanted and then didn't get in. I was a bit like oh, completely changed the situation, what I expected for the next few years. Yes. So I took a year out, did a tonne of coaching, um, lots of work experience and had a good time and I kind of went into the interviews with a different mentality of almost I really want this and I'm going to fight for it so when I got in second time round and it's after spending a year out i gained a lot of confidence just working with different groups of people and I'd done I think especially a lot of coaching work had helped with that I'd also time to spend a, a full year focusing on my own climbing which was really nice but yeah getting in second time round I appreciated it more so when uni course got hard over the last few years you think no I fought to be here and I want to be here and although that failure and it was failure at the time for me getting rejected, like it was utterly heartbreaking. That really upset me at the time. I'm so thankful that that happened because, in the annoying way that everyone always says, everything happens for a reason. And everyone said that at the time, and that's the last thing you want to hear because yeah. it's, it's, it's <laughs> not what you want. It's not what was the plan was happening. Shut up, mom! I don't care. Yeah. But yet, it took that year out and starting year for me to be like, that couldn't have worked out any better. Um, I think after school exams, I kind of that busy time. Like I needed a year out, yeah. but I wasn't willing to take it, and I was being forced into that, and gave me an opportunity to experience a lot more and travel a bit and um, do other things and come back and be like, actually, yeah, that seemed like failure at the time, but that's actually one of the best things that could ever have happened.
0: Yeah,
1: and I really appreciate it. I think that flip mentality of it might seem like failure now, but there's always more down the line yeah Um, yeah and I think I learned a lot more from that than anything else I think that's when I kind of started being able to apply the yeah feeling was good but within reason (laughs)
0: yeah it's fine to get a little bit frustrated as long as as long as you don't keep on going yeah Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, but it's a balance and everyone kind of needs to work out their own balance I think that can be quite difficult and it takes a while and it's not something that you should expect to just be okay with overnight, um, but it's a, it's a conscious process.
0: Yeah, it's kind of ugly as well, isn't it, I suppose. It's not like a nice process, but you kind of just have to go through the motions and...
1: Yeah, it's worth it afterwards, but none of it seems like it's worth it at the time. Yeah.
0: I can see the relation of how you started to get into your winter climbing. Won't be far away for for you, Sophie, I've, with this sort of mindset. <laughs> like you're for definitely... three years, I had
1: been very much determined. It's like not even on my radar. <sighs> and slowly over the last year, being like, well, I might get into just a little bit, you know, winter walking and, um, yeah, that 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 remains to be seen. But yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that can be for podcast round two.
1: <laughs> oh, that that would make for an interesting podcast, I think. <laughs>
0: I'll wrap up there, actually. I just think I need to leave quite soon as well. Yeah. That's,
1: that's giving me a lot of stuff. i for good bet.
0: Thanks again to Sophie for being on the show. As always, spread the Scott Rock word. If you want to be in the show, just get in touch. I was going to say, remember your buddy checks. But maybe more appropriate now is make sure to get a boulder pad underneath your kitchen worktop for any traversing. Don't be that person that turns up at A&E with a broken ankle during a pandemic.